All right, are we ready to continue the process series? Awesome. We are ready. Amazing. Hey, let's show some honor for our new guest, everyone. Let's put our hands together for everyone who is new here with us today. Welcome to church. It is definitely the summertime, and um, we're so glad that you're here today. We're going to continue in our series entitled The Process, and um, we've been taking a journey with uh, the character of Joseph, and uh, how many of you have been blessed by this series? Has it been good for you? Good, good. Glad to hear it. Um, I don't want to spoil the movie. It is just my assumption that uh, uh, 100% of us have seen The Lion King. No. All right. Wow. Glad you're at church today. You're in the right place. You need to be at church. Yeah. So I won't spoil it, but there's a, there's a scene there in the movie where Simba's mother uh, comforts Nala because things are in despair and uh, the enemy is in control and Simba's mom comforts her and she says that things will be okay. It's only a matter of time. Things will be okay. It's only a matter of time. And uh, the question then becomes that if things are going to be okay and if it's only a matter of time, what do we do in the meantime? What do we do in the meantime? What do we do when we're in between jobs or we're in between relationships or situations. What do we do in the meantime? And so that's what we're going to address today. I want to bring you a message entitled, In the Meantime. If you're taking notes, go ahead and write that down. Uh, we've been, like I said, journeying with Joseph, and it's been 11 years since God gave Joseph two dreams, two amazing dreams. And I believe that God has spoken something to you. I believe that God has shown you something about your life, about your situation, uh, about your healing. I do believe that he is going to bring that to pass in your life. But it's been 11 years. And uh, we, we, last year we left off where Joseph has interpreted uh, dreams for two individuals, um, Pharaoh's cupbearer and Pharaoh's baker. And uh, the baker dies, he, he, he gets killed, <laughs> and the cupbearer, that's not funny, uh, the cupbearer, the cupbearer is restored to his position under Pharaoh, and uh, one thing that Joseph asks of the cupbearer, he says, hey, when you are restored back to your position, please remember me, show me favor, remember me, um, I was kidnapped, I was sold, I didn't do anything wrong to be here, please remember me when, when you get restored back to your position, and uh, the Bible says, chapter 40, the last verse, it says, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. And so um, it's already been 11 years. What does Joseph do in the meantime while he's still waiting on God to show up in this situation? Yeah. It's already been 11 years. We're going to pick it up in Genesis 41, verse 1, and it says this here. Two full years later, so now it's been 13 years, Pharaoh had a dream that, that he was standing on the bank of the Nile River. In his dream, he saw seven fat, fat, healthy cows come up out of the river and began grazing in the marsh grass. Then he saw seven more cows 
and they were scrawny and thin. These cows stood beside the fat cows on the riverbank. Then the scrawny and thin cows ate the seven healthy cows. Verse 5. But he fell asleep again and had a second dream. This time he saw seven heads of grain, plump and beautiful. Then he saw seven more heads of grain, shriveled and withered by the east wind. And these head, and the thin head swallowed up the seven plump. Verse 8. The next morning Pharaoh was very disturbed by the dreams. So he called for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. He's calling for the best of the best, guys who have been known to interpret dreams. And he calls them in. And it says that when Pharaoh told them his dreams, not one of them could tell him what they meant. All right, boss, we, we don't know, man. These are weird. You know, these, are, these are tough. Verse 9, finally, the king's chief cupbearer spoke up. Today, I have been reminded of my failure. <sighs> Boss, uh, some time ago, you were angry with the chief baker and me, and you imprisoned us in the palace of the captain of the guard. One night, the chief baker and I each had a dream, and each dream had its own meaning. <sighs> there was a young man, Hebrew with us in the prison, who was a slave of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he told us what each of our dreams meant. Verse 13, and everything happened just as he predicted. I was restored to my position as cupbearer, and the chief was executed. Verse 14, Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once, and he was quickly brought from the prison. After he shaved and changed his clothes, he went in and stood before Pharaoh. In the meantime, what do we do in the meantime? And I want to give us three thoughts about what we do in the meantime. Number one, we have to understand or know that, number one, God hasn't forgotten about you. God hasn't forgotten about you. It's been 11 years, but on top of that, it's been two more years, so 13 in total. <laughs> the cupbearer has forgotten all about Joseph. Um, and, and you got to wonder, you know, what is Joseph thinking? Like as the days turn, turn into weeks and as the weeks turn into months and then years, as we can see, um, he has to be thinking, when are they going to recognize me or appreciate me, celebrate me, support me for all that I've done? And we all fall into that, that mindset. When is, when is mine's mine's? When is it coming? When is the door going to be open? When is it my turn, my turn, my turn? And we all kind of fall into that, like my mom has forgotten about me. My, no, no, no. We all kind of fall into that. Uh, there's been a, a couple times that our oldest son, Jaziel, he's left his lunch at home. And um, we can probably count on two hands where he's left his lunch home. But we, we get our day started, too. We don't always go back home. We're all, we just keep on going. And we, we, we will remember throughout the day, man, Jay left his lunch on the counter. We're not going back home, though. So while we're out, what does he love? He loves Chick-fil-A and he loves Chipotle. Let's just pick him up some Chick-fil-A and Chipotle. And there have been a couple times where we've brought it to the school and we've dropped it off to him and they take it back to him. And at the end of the day, he gets home from school and we ask him, so, hey, what happened with your lunch? And it's always, oh, mom, dad, sorry, I just, 
I was rushing out, I was running late for the bus, you know, I just kind of left it. I said, so like, I always ask him, so what were you thinking throughout the day? You know, he said, I actually thought that you guys would forget about me. And so a few times I would always say, you know, I'm your father. I'll never forget about you. People may forget about you. You may forget about you. Circumstances may cause other people to forget about you, but your heavenly father will never, ever, 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 ever forget about you. He'll never forget about you. And Psalm 139 actually says this here. The psalmist David, he was able to tap into this. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of the sand. That word there in the Hebrew, precious, uh, it actually connotates precious jewels. Uh, More so, it means weight. The heavier a thing was, the more value it had. So he's saying how precious, how weighty, how valuable are your thoughts about me. God's thoughts about you are of the top quality. They are the best of the best. When God thinks about you, he thinks good and he thinks great and his plans are good and his designs are good and his intentions are good for you. And um, not only that, he says they can't be numbered. So not only are they the best in quality, but they're high in quantity. So for every area of your life, for every need that you have, God has multiple thoughts on that particular need. He has multiple solutions, multiple ways. And we can look at the text right now and just see that, you know, the cupbearer didn't come through and the baker obviously didn't come through. He died. But we, we actually see the hand of God in this and the fact that now God has to give Pharaoh a dream. So, so while Joseph is in the prison and he's like, man, where is God? These two dreams, these visions that he's given me, where in the world is God? I propose to you and I, even to myself, because I had to preach this thing to myself before I got up here today, is that God is orchestrating things. And he's speaking to people and he's speaking to people's hearts and he's unlocking doors that you're going to want to be and that you need to be unlocked. And he's clearing a pathway where there's currently a wilderness at right now and you want to go through. God knows it's a wilderness, so he's clearing that pathway for you to go through. God is orchestrating it. He's planning it. He's moving things around. He's moving money. He's moving resources. He's moving people all in your favor. And God has not forgotten about you. It's there in the text, right, Jason? 11 years and two years. and Only God could give Pharaoh a dream like this. And so in the meantime, you have to know that God has not forgotten about you. We, we won't read anywhere from Genesis 37 to Genesis 50 where it says that Joseph was giving up, where he was lacking faith. I, I like to believe that As time was going on, his trust in God was growing as things got harder. I mean, just think about it. What else do you have to trust in? It's getting harder. It's getting longer. It's getting tougher. Monday is tomorrow. A million hallelujah. Oh, my God, I feel so good. I'm just glad to be here. Never. Oh, man, I love church, love church. Bam, Monday. 
But you got to carry the, the knowledge of God has not forgotten about me on to Monday, on to Tuesday, on to Wednesday, on to Thursday. You got to carry it. So we see that in the meantime, Joseph understands that God is not forgotten about him. That's a glorious thing. We're going to skip down to verse 25 because Pharaoh's just going to tell Joseph his dreams. We're going to go ahead and skip down to 25 and look at Joseph's response. Verse 25 says this, Joseph responded, both of Pharaoh's dreams mean the same thing. God is telling Pharaoh in advance what he is about to do. So if God gives you a vision or a dream, dreams happen when you're asleep. Uh, some of them can, can kind of segue here for a second, then we'll get back on track with the text. Some of them are, are, are God's messages to you in your current season. So he's trying to communicate something to you. Dreams happen when you're asleep. Visions happen when you're awake. They're impressions from the Holy Spirit. So you can be driving down 95, and it's bam, that, that vision from God comes. A vision or a dream from God will cause two or three, two, uh, three things, really. It'll cause you, number one, to grow in your faith and press into Jesus. It'll cause you to grow in your faith and press into Jesus. It will cause you to grow in the word of God in your life. And ultimately, as your understanding of the vision or the dream matures, you'll come to understand that this was given to me to glorify the name of Jesus in the earth. So none of it is really for or about you. We're going to continue in Joseph's story to see who the dreams are really for. Joseph is just the vessel that God is going to work through. And so he's interpreting these dreams. Verse 26, the seven healthy cows and the seven healthy heads of grain both represent seven years of prosperity. The seven thin scrawny cows that came up later and the seven thin heads of grain wither by the east wind represents seven years of famine. And this will happen just as, I, just as I have described it. For God has revealed to Pharaoh in advance what he is about to do. So here's another note that you got to take. The Bible says that in the presence of two witnesses, a thing is established. So how many dreams did Pharaoh have? How many did Joseph have? Two. God will give you maybe different dreams in a season, but they will have the same meaning. Because in the presence of two witnesses, a thing is established. When Jesus was talking about, um, you can go to it, I think it's somewhere in the book of Matthew. When he was talking about like church issues, when someone offends you, he says, number one, go to them first, one-on-one. -on -one. And if you restore your brother, if you guys have peace, you've restored a brother. Then he says, if the issue is still not rendered effective, bring a witness. Then he says, if it's still not effective, bring a second witness. And God is going to work in that. So God is establishing things in your life. If you're having dreams or you're seeing visions and they're coming two at a time in a certain seasons or they've come at you multiple times, it's because God plans to do it. And like I said, a lot of the process has to do with Joseph's initiative, less of God's promise, more of Joseph's initiative. Right. And like I said, now we're 13 years later and we're seeing Joseph operate in integrity and excellence. We're seeing him not give up. So this is a lot of Joseph's initiative that's going to bring the dream to pass. Right. Are we here? Did I just get too serious? 
All right, because I, I don't know about you, but I'm, I, I want to step into the impossible. I, I want to see God move in my life, and I think you do too. If God is calling you to walk on water, and, and he's giving you some kind of impossible vision or dream or belief that he's actually going to heal your body or save your family or, or get that breakthrough in your life or, or, or do something, we have to know what these things mean so our faith can be built up. Does anyone have something big that they can't do and it's going to take the, the power of God and the presence of God to do in their lives? You have something big, right? So we need to be able to know what God is communicating in a given season. We need to know it. We need to know it. And it says this here in verse 28. This will happen just as I, as I have described it. Uh, verse 29 says this. The next seven years will be a period of great prosperity throughout the land of Egypt. But afterward, there will be seven years of famine so great that all the prosperity will be forgotten in Egypt. Famine will destroy the land. Verse 31. This famine will be so severe that even the memory of the good years will be erased. Verse 32. As for, two similar dream, as for having two similar dreams, it means that these events have been decreed by God and he will soon make them happen. He'll soon make them happen. As I'm preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself. Uh, I was just riding to a wedding yesterday and telling a PK of a dream I had about 48 hours ago. And it was the same in nature of a dream that God gave me two years ago. And it's just a sign that he's still working that thing out. And it's, it's such a good thing. It's such a good thing. Like I always tell you guys, tall story buildings, cars, bright colors, um, you standing up straight when all your life you've been humped over um, to see wallets or purses. But for all of your life in generations, you've struggled financially. If you see a wallet in a purse and it's yours, or if you see that God has protected something that some dark figure has tried to take in one of your dreams, that's God saying that you got victory over that demon. They mean so much and they mean a lot. Like this, this thing 48 hours ago was crazy. Oh my God. And, woo! It's the process, man. And I'm loving every single second of it, Jesus. Because his dream is his promise and his vision is his promise for your life. So I'm, this is what I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that God would begin to release dreams and visions of you prospering and you advancing and you being healthy and you being whole and you being joyful. And you're not too old to dream. You're not too young to dream. God's taking you somewhere. And I actually think this. You may not be able to find it in the text, but I'm on to something. At the very point in which you get bored of what you currently have, God will begin to give you a new dream. But as long as we're satisfied with what we already have, we don't show God any faith for anything greater. And we never step out on the water of the impossibilities that God has planned for our lives. So when are you going to get bored about your current level? And begin to ask God, do something different. Do something great. You can do it. You can do it. I just want to speak to your faith. Is that okay? All right. All right. Let's keep reading here. I love this. He's going to give him the solution, not just clarity to his confusion, but he's also going to give him solution to his Confusion, And he says this here, verse 33, therefore, Pharaoh should find an intelligent and wise man and put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt. 
Then Pharaoh should appoint supervisors over the land and let them collect one-fifth of all the crops during the seven good years. Verse 35, have them gather all the food produced in the good years that are just ahead and bring it to Pharaoh's storehouses. Store it away and guard it so it will be there in the cities. Verse 36, that way there will be enough food to eat when the seven years of famine have come to the land of Egypt. Otherwise, this famine will destroy the land. Number two, in the meantime, prepare yourself. As you're waiting on God to, to come through in a certain area of your life, prepare yourself. Joseph nailed it, what we agree. Pharaoh has this, this issue. Joseph clarifies it. Not only does he clarifies it, he brings him the solution. This was almost a point today. I want to encourage you with this. In the meantime, and this is not an official point, but write it in your notes. In the meantime, become a problem solver. Become a problem solver. We're good at finding a problem. We're so good, Tracy. You didn't fold that right. You was late five minutes. Yeah, and so were you the other week, so get off me. Boss, like, uh, I just don't think they're working up to par. I get emails all the time. Do you believe in this? Yeah, I do. Are you going to come back to the church? <laughs> like, we, we always have problem finders. The lights are too dark in here. Why we got to wear our T-shirts? Joseph steps in, and he offers solutions. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was prepared to offer a solution. God, take me up. Like, get, get, like I, I, hear you, I hear you, Pastor. Like, I'm going to go home, and I'm going to pray. Lord, show me something. I'm going to clarify this dream, clarify this vision. But God is saying, if you're still a problem seeker and not a problem solver, I don't know if I want to show you this. Because it's only going to bring you stress and depression. But if you're a problem solver, I'll show you something. I'll show you something so great. How many of you, a show of hands, between 1 a.m. and 2 a.m., you're asleep? Show of hands, show of hands. Participate, participate. 1 a.m. and 2 a.m. All right, cool, cool, cool. So between March of 2015 and April of 2016, um, I, was, I was working in the hospital, the 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. shift, the graveyard shift. I would take lunch at between 1 and 2 a.m. And I don't have it up here, but uh, I wanted to bring my scrubs um, my work outfit and, and, uh, and, my, and my hairbrush. Um, so I would, I would go and get my food. I would eat real quick, 10, 15 minutes, and I would take my brush, and my brush was my mic, and I would go in the bathroom. This is the year before we started the church, and I would just turn the sink on a little bit, and I would start preaching in the sink. Yeah, God loves you. And problem solvers, problem seekers, you know, just, I didn't know that, but, you know. <laughs> and I'll ask myself three questions. Is it clear? Is it encouraging? And will it lead people to Jesus? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's not clear enough. That sounds stupid. That's weird. <sighs> so for an entire 13 months, three nights a week, from 1.30 to 2 a.m., I'm, I'm in the bathroom while the world is sleeping. I'm preparing for today. And a lot of people don't know this either. Um, uh, a week before I proposed to uh, Pastor Kyra, I went to West Oaks Mall, down 436. Y'all don't know nothing about West Oaks Mall. 
Then I went over to Altamont because they didn't have my ring. And uh, I had $80 to my name. And uh, I, needed, I needed 40 because after taxes, this thing was going to be 120 bucks. So one of my good friends, Pastor Jason, he was here a few months ago. Jason, he, he came and, and he came on over. And I said, man, I need, I, need, uh, I need 40 bucks. I found this ring. I'm about to ask PK to marry me. It was cubic zirconia, $120. And I was proud. So instead of giving me 40, he gave me 60. And he said, uh, keep the 20. You need, you need to eat. You're broke. You need to eat. And so I bought that ring, and a week later, as I was preparing to go to work, um, she was sleeping and kind of tapped her. It's the weirdest, just weirdest way to propose. Men, don't do this. <laughs> hey, babe, I gotta, gotta go to work. Jay, Jay's up. You might want to get up, feed him dinner. Hey, um, will you marry me? <laughs> and she, uh, what? What time is it? Will you marry me? Oh, yeah, I'll marry you. And she's crying. And later that night, around 1 a.m., she's on Facebook. Oh, yeah, I'm getting married. A hundred. Come on, give it up for the Lord. You don't need all that money. So we were friends for a year, and we were engaged for six months. But we had already built our relationship on the foundation of prayer. And, and vision and serving. We, we work 12-hour shifts, show up to church, set up and tear. We've been doing set up and tear down church for almost seven years now. Show up to church and she, she praising, you know, got bags, but she's worshiping God. And I'm out there setting up the coffee, shaking hands, seeing people. And we were, we, we were, we were preparing. Because this is the issue is, is that a lot of people will spend 120,000 on a ring and a ceremony, but they'll spend 120 on a marriage. While reverse end, we were spending 120, metaphorically speaking, on a ceremony and a ring, but we were preparing for a million dollar marriage. Metaphorically speaking, let's not let's get away from the money. You see the parallel in the parable, right? And we were preparing ourselves because the opportunity was not the ceremony. The opportunity was a marriage that was going to glorify God and point more and more and more and more people to the loving grace and the saving power of Jesus Christ. So prepare yourself while you're waiting on the dream, while you're waiting on the vision. Prepare yourselves. What is God calling you to prepare for right now? So he's calling some of us to prepare relationally. It's time to get away, disengage from this crowd, and get with those one or two people who are going to build us up. What is, what is he calling you to prepare for right now? Lord, I, I got a vision for a business. I got a vision for a home. What is he's calling you to prepare your heart by trusting him with the tithe and by budgeting? Right? What is God calling you to prepare for? Why is this important? This is important. Go ahead and write this down. This is important, preparing yourself. It's important because God has created doors that are only designed for you to walk through. No one else. Relationships, opportunities, 
connections, doors that are specifically designed for you. Where do you see this in the text, Pastor? I'm glad that you asked. Pharaoh had the dream. Musicians, magicians and wise men came in. They could not interpret this dream. Only Joseph could. This tells me this, that for 13 years, because we get no indication that Joseph was given up on God. For 13 years, he prayed, he studied, he got around the right people, and he was preparing himself for what God had prepared for him. So in the meantime, prepare yourself. And don't, don't come up short on it. Don't give God 100% for a week and not see anything. Give him 100% for as long as he calls you to it until you see that thing come to pass. And so I love Abraham Lincoln. We'll pull this up. He says this here. I will prepare and someday my chance will come. Someday my chance will come. Someday. In the meantime, watch this. Joseph started to see his obstacles as opportunities to prepare himself for greater things. He started to see his obstacles as opportunities. When are we going to grow to the place where we start to see our obstacles as opportunities for a greater tomorrow? So if if Joseph is going to grow to become a solution finder, how does he grow? God has to send him obstacles. God has to send him problems. God has to send him problematic people. God has to send him people who hate him, people who don't like him, people who think he's out of his mind. God has to send him those types of people in order to prepare him for what he's prepared for Joseph. So when are we just going to stop getting down? We need to get on up when an obstacle comes and says, oh, wow, thank you. You've been sent my way to prepare me for the dream. You've been sent my way to prepare me for the vision. You've been sent my way. Thank you for being here. There's the door. I'm going to go ahead and get prepared for what God has for me. Man, I'm loving this story. It was only designed for Joseph. We're going to keep reading here, verse 37. Got to get on home. We got baptisms today, y'all. Let's celebrate God. (laughs) Baptisms. If you're interested in being baptized, please join us. We have everything you need. We love to celebrate that with you. It is a public declaration of a faith decision that you've made in Jesus. And if you've never been baptized, we'd be honored to dump you. It's fun. Verse 37, Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officials. Wow, this kid is impressive. So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the spirit of God? This is the first place where you see a reference in the Bible of someone being filled with the spirit of God. And it actually doesn't come from the mouth of God. It comes from Pharaoh. God wants to raise you up to a place where people say that can only be God. It's another message, but that can only be God. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court. And all my people will take orders from you. Pharaoh said to Joseph, Joseph, 
Don't you just hear the, the theme music to the series? Dun, 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 dun. I hereby put you in charge. 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 Of the entire land of Egypt. In the meantime, you have to know that your time will come. Thirteen years prior, Joseph, God gave Joseph two dreams that signify and point it to this very moment. Point it to this very moment, 13 years ago. And in the meantime, you, get, you just get this idea that Joseph knew that his time was going to come. And it's why he pressed into to faith and into prayer and to fasting. And he pressed in. And the natural tendency of human beings is to put a deadline or an expiration date on the things of God. That's where we mess up. I believe that Joseph removed the deadline and the expiration date. And he just knew that God was going to be faithful. Just to speak personally from, from where I am, you can put any hero or any person you look up to in this, what I'm about to say, not me, just so this is not about me. Um, seven, eight, seven to eight years ago, God personally showed me things that today are now coming to pass in my life. The kinds of hands that I would shake the kinds of people that I would meet, and not just meet, but be in relationship with, the kinds of rooms I would be in. Seven, eight years ago, New York Times bestsellers and world-class men and women who lead amazing businesses and churches, um, politicians, county executives, you all, this, the best church, in the world. God, God showed me when we, when we got engaged, when, when we got engaged about a month after, I have it written down. He said, you already have Jaziel, I'm going to give you a second boy. I'm going to give you a second boy. God, God, has, God has shown you something. God has shown, God has shown you that healing. He, he's shown you that that freedom from that addiction, that freedom from that depression, the freedom from the anxiety. He's shown you running around in fields and living your, living your best life. He's shown you. He's shown you something. And you have to recall to memory what God has shown you. Be it through a vision or through dreams, God has shown you something. I love the prophet Habakkuk 2.3. He says this. Chapter 2, verse 3, Habakkuk. This is a principle in Scripture. This is how God does it. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end, and it will be fulfilled. He's shown it to you. And what has happened is, is that we have been so trodden, beaten down, weighed down by life, that we often forget what God has showed us. 
But I want to encourage you, remember what God showed you. Remember what he promised you. What this verse tells me here is that when God shows us something, it's not just a scene. It's not just a cosmic movie. But the vision of the Lord is also the promise of the Lord. And what you have to understand is that in the meantime, your time will come. God hasn't forgotten you, Louis. Prepare yourself, T3. Your time will come. I, he promises you. I, I'm not. He promises you that your time will come. Let's give the word of God a hand clap of praise. Come on, every head bowed. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your presence, Jesus. Every head bowed. I pray that faith would be increased here today, God. Thank you, Jesus. Every head bowed. Jesus Christ, his blood was shed on the cross. He died. And on the third day, he rose for the forgiveness of our sins. Maybe you're in here today and you feel far from God. You feel broken and dirty and ashamed but it's the blood of Christ who has cleansed you. And when he was upon the earth, he promised in John 10, verse 10, he said that I have come that they may have life and life more abundantly. And maybe today you need Jesus in your heart. You need his forgiveness, you need his healing. So I'm gonna have you pray this prayer if you're coming to Christ for the first time, you're giving your heart to him, or if you know Jesus and you're coming back to Christ today, I want you to go ahead and repeat this prayer after me. Church, to honor those who are making this faith decision, we're all gonna pray it collectively. Let's pray. Father God, I believe that Jesus is the son of God. And I believe that he died on the cross for my sin. I repent of my life of sin. Forgive me. Fill me with your spirit. I love you. Make me whole. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or if you're coming back to Jesus, I just ask that you would raise your hand. Just ask that you would raise your hand today. If that be you, we want to celebrate you. Hallelujah. Can you raise that hand? God bless you. God bless you. Come on, church. Let's celebrate them. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you. God bless you. Woo! Hallelujah. Thank you. The greatest decision you've ever made in your life. Now my encouragement to you is to 
get rooted in a healthy local church. And uh, we'll see you at the blue tent. We want to pray for you and encourage you. Come alongside you in your new relationship with Jesus. Come on, church. Let's celebrate. Salvation reigns in this place. Love you guys.